And so Who's for Hope is a great opportunity to do that. Because you can take your $52 uh, per member, or if you want to do double that or triple that or quadruple that, some people give more than that throughout the year. You can take all that money and support the basketball player of your choice. You can say, hey, you know, I really like Rodney because of... You know, Manuelo Hendes, he's such a cool guy. If you don't know Manuel, Manuel, stand up, ponte de pie, Manuel, ponte de pie. This is Manuel right there. Probably one of the nicest, most serving people you're ever going to meet. You say, I don't know Manuel at all. But Rafael says he's cool. I'm going to give him all my yearly hope funds to support for Who's for Hope. Amen. And all the great Al Cal, you know, another great brother. You might not know Al Cal. If you don't know Al Cal, you are missing out. And so it might be a good chance. Hey, Al, I gave you some money. Let's hang out. You know, and you get to know, you get to know Al Cal. Amen. But it's awesome to be able to, to support Hope Worldwide through Hoops for Hope. Uh, it's going to be a great event. And also, I don't know if you know, but uh, this Lifeway Golf Tournament is something that went on last year and raised over $3,000. And most of it just from golfers that are friends of John C., who said, hey, let's support these young people going to camp and get him a bus to camp, which is really awesome. This year's going to be even taken higher. Uh, Gina Alexander has a couple of things that she's going to be auctioning off to support the kids to go to camp, to youth camp. One of those, now check this out. One of those things is an autographed basketball by none other than... The recently retired Kobe Bryant. All right. And another one is a, a, a signed football from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and so, you know, I think it's going to be a great event to get all these young people to camp this year. Amen. Also, today's a great day because uh, not one and not two, but three people are going to make Jesus their Lord and be baptized today. Amen. And I want to ha- ask him to stand up. Uh, we have Yasir Renderos from the teen ministry is going to be baptized today. Yasir. Also, Cecilia Contreras from the uh, Glendale Spanish uh, Worship Center. There's Cecilia. Felicidades. And uh, Norma Santiago from St. Gabriel English Worship Center is going to be baptized today as well. Oh, she did. There's, oh, wow, Norma. Looked like Chris. Amen. So it's really exciting. But, you know, Memorial Day weekend is always important to know why we celebrate a holiday. And Memorial Day weekend is really a holiday to remember uh, the service and especially the sacrifice, especially those that have made the ultimate sacrifice uh, for our nation, for our country, for us to be able to enjoy the freedom, the freedom that we enjoy today. You and I are worshiping God this morning in Glendale in, in an open auditorium. And, and all that is because of so many men and women who have sacrificed and given, but not only that, uh, given their life for us to be able to enjoy that. And so we really want to honor if you have served in the military, if you are actively serving, if you have family that is serving, we want to thank you so much for your sacrifice. I know there are children of some who have lost uh, parents uh, uh, because of their sacrifice, and we want to thank you, and uh, we honor you today. I would like to ask all those that have served in the military or are currently serving to stand up, and let's give them a round of applause for their service at this time.
Thank you so much. Amen. How many of you have ever received undeserved judgment? You got judged in a way you just did not deserve. How many of you have ever received undeserved mercy? Right? Now, I don't know which one of those you like, but I like undeserved mercy a lot more than undeserved judgment. Amen? And today, the Callahans not only welcomed us to church, but really opened up this topic, this theme that we're going to be exploring together. And it's the theme of mercy and judgment. And I have two stories in my life that, uh, that really illustrate those two things. First, one of those is of judgment. I learned how to drive at an early age. My parents taught, my dad taught me how to drive first, a uh, stick shift. Uh, when I was 12 years old, by the time I was 13 years old, I was driving around the little town of the metropolis of Mecca, California. And so I was driving around Mecca, California, and one of those nights, uh, my mom said, hey, can you go get some milk? I didn't feel like walking to the store that was only about four blocks away. Uh, and I got on my dad's truck and I decided to drive to the store to buy some milk. Well, on the way back from the store, the store is lit. I forgot to turn on my lights. And so I pulled out of the store parking lot, made a left in my, uh, in my Toyota pickup truck, and I was making a left, and a highway patrolman, we don't have a police station in Mecca, even though it's such a great metropolis, we don't have an actual place, but we do have highway patrol that come around from time to time, and so highway patrolman was coming the opposite way, I was coming the opposite way, I was minding my own business, I was just going home with some milk, right? And so I'm driving home with some milk, and this highway patrolman turns around, puts the lights on, and flashes you, and then your heart just sinks. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before. Especially if you're 13 years old. You're like, whoa, I mean, this is not good. And so I was freaking out. Uh, I don't have a license. I didn't have my seatbelt on. And uh, I didn't know that my lights had not been on. And so the policeman comes up and he comes up in a very like, you could tell uh, he's, he's scared of me. And I'm like. Uh, I'm kind of scared of this guy, you know, and he's coming up kind of cautiously over kind of with his hand on his gun and coming over. He was not a very nice guy. And he comes up and he says, uh, hey, you know, what are you doing? He's like, oh, you know, I just want to get some milk. And, you know, your lights were not on. I said, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry about that. Can I see your driver's license? I don't have a driver's license. Uh, and, uh, and he says, you know, you also don't have your seatbelt on. And I said, he just step out of the car. So I step out of the car and, you know, I, I just know I'm busted. You know, I know, this is just wrong. This is not good. But I'm, you know, I'm throwing, throwing myself to the mercy of the court. Right. And so he, he, he has me walk outside. Then he has me uh, do, uh, you know, walk sobriety tests. OK, I have I've not drunk, drank a drink in my life. I had actually vowed not to drink. Because I grew up in an alcoholic family. And so I didn't drink. I was against drinking. I was against drugs. I was against anything, you know. But I'm just, you know, a, a, a small brown Latino in a truck with the lights off without a license. Driving, right? Driving while Latino. Here I go. And, and so I'm going. And uh, he has me do a whole sobriety test. And, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm fine. I have nothing, nothing to fear. And so... The whole, I pass, I pass it with flying colors. And so then he goes over to write me a ticket and he writes me a ticket for everything you could find. I mean, a broken light, no, I mean, everything, right? And then he asks me this, he says, when was the last time 
you did cocaine. And that was about the time I felt judged. You see, at, you know, at, when I was young, I used to uh, suffer from bloody noses. I used to have, you know, bloody noses pretty often. And so uh, I lived in the desert. It was very hot. And I'm sure maybe I had a little bit of blood on my nose because of a bloody nose that I typically ha- got. And so he surmised from that point that I was a cocaine addict. And he asked me, and I just felt so judged. And uh, he said, you know what? Gave me a ticket. Uh, says, you got to walk home. Didn't impound my car because, again, there wasn't no police station in Mecca. So I just walked home, discouraged. I just, a cop just asked me when was the last time I did drugs. And I felt horrible because there was so much different than who I was. Well, you know, I got an also story of mercy. Uh, I was driving down uh, Huntington Boulevard in uh, San Marino. And... Uh, and actually, I was coming up Granada to make a left on San Marino, and at first I was on the right lane, but I decided to go to the left lane in the middle of the turn to make the turn. I thought, hey, this is awesome. I'm doing great. Well, the police officer saw me, turned around, decided that I, I, I made an unsafe turn. And so he, he, he stopped me, also was not a nice guy, and said, you know what, you, sir, you made an unsafe turn. And I said, well, you know, I, I really apologize. Now, in my mind, I thought, well, that's... That's subjective, you know, uh, uh, an unsafe turn. I thought it was really safe. There were no cars on one side or the other. It was super safe. But, you know, I, I didn't tell him that at that time, but that was just in my mind, you know. And so he said, you know, you made an unsafe turn. He gave me a ticket to an unsafe turn. I had to go to Pasadena Court to go, you know, before the judge because I decided that I was at least, you know, partly right. Now, you know, it's going to be my word against a policeman, but I thought, okay, hey, you know, I think I made a safe turn. So I made diagrams. I printed sheets out. I mean, these were awesome. I used all my Excel, all my publisher skills that you could just, I mean, it was great. So I had the gold diagram of the street and it it was to scale and everything. And so I showed up. Uh, to Pasadena Courthouse to go, you know, plead my case before the the, uh, the authorities uh, uh, of the land. And I, so I show up. And before I go into the courthouse, I don't know if you guys, I mean, there's like nowhere to park if you don't want to pay money, which I didn't have a lot of money. So I'm like, okay, this, I'm driving around trying to find a parking spot. And I see someone I know who's actually driving a bicycle, who's a parking uh, kind of policeman for that area, and he said, hey, what's up, Ralph? I said, oh, man, I'm finding a parking spot. He goes, don't worry about it. I'm the one who gives the tickets out here. Come with me. Park right here. You're going to be all right. Stay as long as you want. I said, oh, this is going to be a great day, right? So I'm just going, and I go right into the, into, the, into the courthouse, and I walk in, and there are hundreds of people right there. I mean, we were all waiting in the courthouse and I'm now I'm getting nervous, you know, because I'm thinking, OK, my time is going to is going to come. I'm going to have to face the judge and face the police officer. OK, this is going to be intense. So I'm getting nervous in the service. So I'm sitting right there. Right. I'm waiting. All of a sudden, I, I hear my name. To come up to the window. So I go up and I and I go up to the window and the lady said, is your name Rafael Lua? He says, yeah, my name is Rafael Lua. He said, well. Your police officer did not show up. All your charges are dismissed. You know, the chick of the stamp. So she does a chick. And I was like, there's no one here to condemn you. 
go free and sin no more. And I just walked out in mercy and I felt this is just so awesome. You know, the scripture that uh, that was referred to this morning, uh, but we hear we see here in James chapter two, verse 12 and 13. This is the, the book of James. The book of James is known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. There's so many. And this is uh, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. So many truths are spoken in this in this book of James in the New Testament. And he says the following James chapter two and verse 12 or 13, it says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And you think about that thought we are so predisposed to judge but God's heart is a heart of mercy and you know we see that really in who Jesus was and the reason why he came in John chapter 12 and verse 47 to 48 the Bible says if anyone hears my words but does not keep them I do not judge that person for I did not come now Jesus many times says why he came I have come for this. I, come, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come to give life and life to the full. Many times he declared why he came. Well, this is a, uh, now on the opposite, why, why he did not come. He says, I didn't come for this. He says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He says, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn him at the last day. So Jesus' role was not here to come in judgment. And we say amen to that. But to guide us to his word so that you and I can have eternal life. You know, we're really excited in uh, Lifeway in San Gabriel because we're just starting a brand new series. We started last week on the book of Acts. And the, t- and the series is called Move. And actually, I want to show you guys a video. It's a little intro video of our, of our series coming up right here. Amen. So we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, you know, for the for the next six weeks in San Gabriel. And I don't know if you I mean, six weeks in the book of Acts, that's not a long time. Right. That's not a long time. And so Marty actually came up with an outline for us to go over the book of Acts and see, you know, what parts we're going to study. But we're not going to be able to look at a lot of very specific things in the book of Acts just because of, you know, it's a longer book. But when you think about one of the main personalities in the book of Acts, that's the Apostle Paul. And he says the following that really illustrates his motivation as a follower of Jesus. And I don't know what your or my motivation is at different times. But I think what Paul expresses here should be every one of our motivations 
for desiring to follow Jesus. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 to 16, let's go ahead and read that together. The Bible says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is the trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and received eternal life. Why the tremendous transformation in the life of Paul? From someone who bitterly persecuted God's church, from somebody who judged Christians and had a letter from the authorities to put them in jail and who bitterly opposed them, to someone who became, really in the New Testament, the most prolific figure in evangelization uh, and, and really fulfilling God's promise of the gospel in the first century. That's Paul. What led to that tremendous change? Why was it such a huge transformation? You know, such so much so that when Jesus goes to Ananias to tell him, hey, go talk to Paul, Ananias went, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you talking about the same Paul I'm thinking about? Don't you know who this guy is? You know, Jesus says, go. Go to this guy. Help him. He needs to know what he needs to do now. And he becomes such an important part of the first century church. Well, what was it? It was mercy triumphing over judgment. It was the fact that he understood that the only reason why he had such a blessing of salvation and a relationship with God was because of mercy. There was nothing he could have done to deserve it. And he felt every day of his Christian walk like he won the lottery. Every day of his Christian walk like he made out. Every day of his Christian walk like he was forgiven, like he was absolved. And had not received a punishment that was due for him to receive. How do you feel this morning? Do you feel in judgment or do you feel in mercy? Do you feel forgiven? Do you feel the incredible privilege it is of knowing that we can have a relationship with God in spite of who we are? Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we are difficult to love. Sometimes we are difficult to like. But yet God not only likes us, but he loves us. And so much so that he gave up his son so that you and I can have a relationship with him. And, you know, this is uh, all through Jesus' teachings. And you see here in the story of the woman, the simple woman that anoints Jesus. And after, you know, there's a ruckus because of her anointing Jesus as a sinful person. Jesus says the following. There's such a great truth. He says, I tell you her, her sins and they are many. Our sins, they are many. They are many. It's not like we can just kind of write them on one page. Have been forgiven. So she has so shown me much love. 
But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And so Jesus reveals a spiritual truth, a spiritual law. And here is my mathematical explanation of that law. If you if you've been forgiven much, you love much. If you've forgiven little, you love little. Now think about that. Think about people who have shown you mercy. Do you like them? Do you like them a little? Or do you like them a lot? I like them a lot. You know, when I think about my parents and I think about the love that my parents have had for me, my parents are not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination. But I think about they put up with me and they still love me. And when my when I call my mom, she's like, Mijo, I missed you. Thank you for calling me. I go, my mom loves me in spite of me. Right. I think, hey, I, I love her, too, because she has shown me so much mercy. But you know what I think about this? mathematical equation, right? I know it's equal to M, you know, MC equals whatever squared, E equals MC squared, right? Isabel Castro, she can help me out later. But it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? Because when you really think about how many of us need much forgiveness? Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand if you need much forgiveness. Yeah. Now, keep your hand raised up. Keep your hand raised. Look around. You need, to, you need to go home feeling, hey, I am not the only one. Amen. Go ahead and put your hand down. Uh, that in itself is a sermon for Memorial Day weekend. You're going to go home feeling, I'm not the only one. Amen. But it's a matter of perspective. If you really feel God's mercy in your life, you're going to love much. If you feel not, not that much, you feel like, well, I wasn't that bad of a person. I really... You know, I'm not as bad as that person over there or that person over there or that person over there. You're going to have a hard time loving God. Because you don't really feel like you need it. And it's such an important matter of perspective. Such an important matter of perspective. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You were so predisposed to judge. Our number one favorite Activity and exercise is jumping to conclusions. If we lost calories from jumping to conclusions, we would be a very fit group. We would be full of athletes because we so easily and quickly jump to conclusions. Just a couple of weeks ago uh, in, uh, in the news, uh, a story of this woman appeared. And she came out of the store, she came out of the store and she saw a couple of young men taking pictures of her van and laughing and ridiculing her because... She had a couple of running stickers on her on her uh, vehicle. Uh, one is, uh, as you can see, a 25K. The other one is 13.1 miles. And she had a handicap placard on her car. And she was parked in a handicap spot. And they were like, man, look at this person. I guess she's not really handicapped. I mean, she's parked right there in the handicap spot. And I can't believe it. Let's take a picture of that and post it on whatever they're going to post it on. And so this woman, actually, when she came out, she caught them doing that and they just kind of shuffled away. And she says, you know, I really wish they would have stuck around. Partly because, hey, I'm proud of my running. But secondly, because I'm proud of why I have that handicapped sticker. You see, she's not personally handicapped, but she has a severely handicapped son. And so her entire life she has suffered taking care and caring for her severely handicapped son 
and she's parked in a handicapped spot and she has a handicapped placard on her car and she sees a couple young men who have no handicap whatsoever ridiculing her and ridiculing her car without even knowing her story at all. And we hear that and we look at that and we think about that and we're a bit aghast. We're a bit taken back. We're like, I can't believe someone can do that. But we do that every day. You and I do that every day. This morning, when you walked into church, I can almost bet the golf clubs that Marty made me that I don't use. I can almost bet all those golf clubs that you judged somebody this morning. In church. In church. In church. This church. This church. You look at somebody you're like, mm-hmm. Mm. Glad she came. She needs it. Oh, man, I didn't think he was going to come. Oh, look at him. He thinks he's so cool, doesn't he? He thinks he's so cool. Look at him, how he stands. You know? Back at it again with the white bands. I mean, look at him over there. He looks cool, right? And it's almost a given. Because we so easily jump to conclusion. We look and we size each other up. We look and we say, well, you know, I wonder where that guy's story is. I wonder where that guy's story is. I wonder where that guy's story is. Let me tell you, if someone is a follower of Christ, their story is amazing. If someone's not a follower of Christ, their story is amazing. Because they are in God's story along the line. And it's a story of mercy, triumphing over judgment. Let me ask you a question this morning. What about if mercy triumphed over judgment in our relationships? How different would our relationships be if mercy triumphed over judgment? How, are, how would your relationships with your roommates be? Oh, you hit home on that one right there. We just had a household meeting. How would your relationships with your siblings be? You know, it's great to hear Sarah talking about her sister. says, we have such a great relationship. Some of us, we don't have a very great relationship with our sibling or even our extended family. How different would our relationships be with our siblings or family if mercy triumphed over judgment? We're like, if they were more merciful, then it would, they would be great. All right, we're talking about our mercy in, in us triumphing over judgment. You know, how, how, how much better would our friendships be? You know, I'm grateful for the friends in my life because they put up with me. And I know I can be difficult to put up with. You're like, yeah, Raphael, I can see that. I'm not that difficult, but I, I could see how you can be difficult. You know, how would our careers be different if mercy triumphed over judgment? How different would be in the would we be in the job? How harder would we work? Some of us we don't work as hard as we should. You know why? Because you hate your boss. You hate your boss. Well, because he judges me. Well, you're judging him back. And so you go. You put a half-hearted effort. You're not working hard. You're not working for the Lord. How different would our careers be? If we just let mercy triumph over judgment. 
How different would our marriages be? If we let mercy triumph forward. This, this is a marriage conference topic right here. If you get this, you can write a book on marriage. Right here, right here, right now. What if mercy triumphed over judgment in our marriages? Instead of us having a hard, such a hard time with each other, we just forgive each other. I don't know you, but, you know, forgiveness needs to be an abundant supply in my marriage. Abundant supply. That was my wife right there. She's in, no, I'm dying this kid. That's not, that's not her. My wife's her, Griselda. Yeah, but, no, she's probably, yes, amen. But think about it, how different our marriage would be. How different would our parenting be? You know, a lot of times we look at our kids and we feel proud, but we can feel let down. Our expectations are way up here and we feel like our kids are way down here. And we're, they feel our judgment much more than our mercy. What if they felt more of our mercy instead of our judgment? How different would our parenting be? How different would our talks be? You know what I think? I think it would be tremendously different. How different would our evangelism be? If mercy triumphed over judgment. This is Raphael, you're talking as if evangelism is going on in my life. I guess if it was going on in my life, then, you know, if I was being really evangelistic, being merciful would really help. Let me postulate this for you. Perhaps a reason why we're not more evangelistic. Perhaps the reason why we don't share our faith more than we we do now. And share what God gave us with others. Is because there's a lot more judgment in us than mercy. And if we looked around and really saw the world, our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, other students in our school, our family members, with mercy, perhaps it would be, we would be a lot more evangelistic. You know, the thing about it is, you choose. I choose. What's going to triumph? What is triumphing in your life right now? What is number one in your life? Is it mercy? Or is it judgment? I put before you today, if you decide that, you know what? Mercy will triumph over judgment in my life. Today and every day. Your life is going to be radically different. And the impact you make will be incredible. Because of God's mercy working through you in your life. Amen? Let's go to God in prayer at this time as we finish our lesson. Heavenly Father, even the act of praying to you this morning is an act of of humility and of honoring you because we understand that we are imperfect vessels to even be considered to have your ear and your attention. And Father, we thank you that this morning we feel your mercy in our life. Help us to extend that mercy 
to others. Help us to let mercy triumph over judgment in our lives. And help us be a light in this lost world. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together as we close with this final song. It's called Power.